Margaret Oliphant, Charles Reed, Elizabeth Gaskell. To us, they're the most untouchable authors of classic literature. But to their contemporaries, well, that's another matter altogether. This is Lit Slashing, a weekly podcast bringing you history's most notorious, bad, backhanded, and brutal reviews of literary classics. Dr. Courtney Floyd. And I'm Dr. Eleanor Dumbbell. Thomas Hardy was born on the 2nd of June 1840 and died on the 11th of January 1928. He was an English author who was influenced by the realist style of George Eliot and the romantic tradition of William Wordsworth. His novels, set in the fictional county of Wessex, were critical of English society. He is best known for novels including Tess of the D'Urbervilles and Jude the Obscure. And today I have reviews of exactly those two novels. Confusingly, both of these are titled almost the same. The first is Thomas Hardy's latest novel in 1892, and the second is Mr. Thomas Hardy's latest novel. I I guess it explains what's going on. Where is the writing of fiction going to? More and more, the impulse of genius seems to be away from the contemplation of wholesome, invigorating scenes and towards noisome ones. The two most important works of fiction recently published, most important in point of literary finish and in the power of imagination, the two which will be most read perhaps and most talked of for some time to come. The history of David Grieve and Tess of the D'Urbervilles are striking examples of this trend. It is not for us to shut away from the artist the presentation of the dark strains in life and character. Fiction would be one-sided and in the main valueless were it confined to picturing only happy, wholesome folk. Nature is composite, so must art be, and it is unfair to life to represent it wholly evil as to represent it wholly good. This is true even when we discard every ethical consideration and view art merely as an agent for producing pictures. What is this fascination which is drawing novelists to adultery as the one most desirable subject? Does the study of human life inevitably lead to regarding illicit intercourse between the sexes as the largest, most important and most interesting fact affecting society? Is everything connected with our advanced state of civilization dominated by the questions arising out of the unholy love between man and woman? Shall we quit religion, philosophy, politics, commerce, everything, and turn to a study of adultery? These are blunt inquiries, but they are pertinent to the issue presented by a novel like Tess of the D'Urbervilles. As a piece of artisanship, this novel is well-nigh perfect. The workman has shown himself a consummate master of his craft. A sense of this superb workmanship is the only pure pleasure the book affords, and every other effect is as black as night, as cheerless as a tomb, as hopeless as the scaffold. Wow. Let me just go get my pearls so I can clutch them. (laughs) (laughs) I like the uh, implication in the fact that they repeatedly say between the sexes and between men and women Mm -hmm. that um, you can write about gay adultery all you want, that's fine. (laughs) That's what I'm taking from that. This is your, uh, this is your mission. <laughs> Should you choose to accept it? So we follow that up four years later with a review of Jude the Obscure. 
those who have satisfied themselves by observation and experience of the essentially artificial character of so-called British morality will not be surprised to find that certain critics of the didactic school have condemned Mr. Thomas Hardy's latest novel, Jude the Obscure, on the ground of its outspokenness and its flagrant disregard of Mrs. Grundy's tender feelings. Tess of the Devils offended the susceptibilities of such critics as Mr. Andrew Lang and Mr. James Payne, who worship the venerable Walter Scott and prefer romance to realism. But Jude the Obscure will be anathema moranatha to hundreds of comparatively liberal-minded people who see no harm in such works as Jane Eyre or Adam Bede. Mr. Hardy does not write, like Sir Walter Besant, merely for the edification of the young person. The tragic chapter with which the novel closes is perhaps the finest specimen of pure narrative that Mr. Hardy has ever given us. There is nothing equal to it in Tess of the Durbervilles. The character of Sue is nearly as fascinating as that of Elfrida in a pair of blue eyes. In concentrated power, the novel as a whole is inferior to Tess, and it lacks the fresh, sweet atmosphere which makes The Woodlanders one of the most delightful of books. In Arabella, we have a faithful portrait of a foul-minded woman whom we can compare to no other female personage in Mr. Hardy's novels. Some of the language put into the mouth of Philotson, the husband of Sue, is a little incongruous, for it's scarcely likely that a village schoolmaster would talk about the matriarchal system. But in spite of certain defects of form, which are perhaps inevitable, having regard to the intricacies of a story involving matrimonial complications, Jude the Obscure is the best English novel which has appeared since Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Mr. George Meredith's epigrammatic cleverness cannot atone for his poverty of invention, his lack of incident, his fantastic system of misreading human nature, and if the word novelist means a writer of human history, Mr. Hardy is incomparably superior to his supposed rival. I would class the author of Tess with Fielding, Balzac, Flaubert, Turgenev, George Eliot, Dostoevsky. While Mr. Meredith is the literary brother of Bulwer-Lytton, Peacock and Merrimay, the mosquito-like criticism of the day need not trouble a novelist who has already won fame. He is the greatest living English writer of fiction, in intensity and grip of life, and above all, in the artistic combination of the real and the ideal. He surpasses any of his French contemporaries. Jude the Obscure is not his greatest work, but no other living novelist could have written it. Whoa. Hey, I'm just want to slow clap for you fitting in a bowler lit and <laughs> shot. Well, <laughs> you took a page from that uh, that reviewer a little bit, didn't you? I was kind of like this mentions bowler lit in a negative way, so I'm going to include it. <laughs> and George Eliot in a positive, so I'm like they're they're the two things that can really interest me in something. Yeah, but but that's like a roller coaster of a review. It's like Jude the Obscure is anathema, but also Thomas Hardy is the best novelist of our time so i mean so i think what they're saying at the start is they're like this is a good novel but the kind of prudes that we saw with the test of the d'urbervilles review are gonna really lose their minds over this yeah because jude the obscure is like as well as being kind of experimental in some of its forms is like i think if people have issue with tess then they are gonna have issue with arabella mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big time mainly i really liked how the last paragraph was just here is everyone who is not as good as Thomas Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this review took a turn. Um, even though we might not be as good as Thomas Hardy, we hope you'll leave us positive reviews wherever you get your podcasts and share with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, where we might sometimes share more contemporary hilariously bad reviews, you can do so at litslashingpod. And you can find more information about the show and transcripts and all of that good stuff on our website, www.litslashing.card.co. That's card with two R's. 
matter of fact, is as black as night, as cheerless as a tomb, as hopeless as the scaffold. 